This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello and welcome to episode 132 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And on this podcast, we interview all kinds of people from the entertainment industry, package it up into this uh, podcast here and throw it up on the internet for our listeners at home, across the world, in their car, folding their laundry, etc., etc., etc. Folding the... That's a good idea. Way to make use of um, the time spent doing a mundane activity. Dude, I, so many people have called and written in saying like... Pop this, on the IAP. That's, that's when I listen to my IAP. I love, IAP. It. I love it. When I get my fix. And you know, we we started this thing because we were just we wanted to talk to people that were doing what we wanted to be doing, uh, and that is pretty much just having um, epic wins in the entertainment industry. So we put this together to speak to as many people throughout the industry as possible and get their stories, and then stick it out there on the web for you to kind of create just a win, 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 win all the way around. Boom, 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 so that's boom, what this boom, is. Boom. Nothing more. Nothing less. Winning. And, uh, yeah, and we hope that you send your input our way. We've gotten uh, uh, many more voicemails lately, which is great. Um, although we have one. Whoever this listener is, I, I apologize. I don't know what happened, but you left a voicemail. It started, and it got cut off. So it's literally just you going, hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a female. It. I don't know who you are, but uh, finish up your, your, your voicemail. Um, and uh, you can learn all the other ways to get in touch with us at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on this episode, we're very excited to bring you part one of our interview with Alexis Carra, who's about to blow up. Uh, yeah. And you'll understand why as we uh, talk about it. So stick uh. around for that. Hey everyone, it is with a heavy heart that we introduce episode 132, the, the last episode that AJ and I will do in the flesh, in person, face to face, for we don't know how long, yeah. because uh, you, my friend, are New York City bound to go do what you earned a college degree in and get paid for it for an undetermined amount of time. What a weird thing for an actor. Yeah, I know. Who'd have thought, right? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Um, all, those, all, those, all those doctors with their medical degrees out there bussing tables and... Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're squeezing this in now. Like, you're going to leave, like, after we're We were done supposed recording. to do this hours ago. Um, I know, yeah, but, but I, you're leaving today, right? I like, am. You're I mean, literally I'm, shipping yes, out. Yes, yes, uh, I'm not leaving to New York right now. I'm going down to San Diego to visit my family. Um, my, my mom's side of the family lives in, in San Diego, so I'm going to visit them. Um, uh, my girlfriend and I are going to have our last hurrah at Disneyland because uh, we have our... We're, we're season pass holders. Yeah. It's one of our favorite places in the universe, and we just... 
it really is the happiest place on earth for us. So we love it there. Um, and we're, we're going to, we're not, I mean, our passes are going to expire when we're in New York. There's nothing we can do about that. So we're just going for one last, uh, one last day tomorrow. And we're not even going for the whole day. We're only going for like the first part of the day Mm -hmm. because we're leaving early to head out to our first stop, which is the Grand Canyon. Wow. So, yeah, I'm leaving Los Angeles today, but leaving Southern California tomorrow night. So you're making a, a road trip out of it as well, which I think yeah. is awesome. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I guess this is interesting conversation for, for anyone who uh, maybe either thinking about making the trek or uh, must make the trek. But we looked at all these different options for getting us and our things out there. Um, and there are moving companies that will do it. Um there's one that we found that's hilarious. It's literally like L.A. to New York Express is like the name of the company, and that's all they do. They just move stuff from L.A. to New York and back again for, I wow. guess, I guess mostly actors probably, but um, but that's what they do. Props for finding a niche. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Good, good on them. Um, so we looked at moving companies. We looked at, um, you know, moving companies plus flights. We looked at renting like a moving vehicle, like a U-Haul or something like that. And we looked at renting like just a regular, you know, minivan or SUV. And they all came out to about the same price. Mm. Um, and so we thought, well, if they're all going to be about the same price, why not A, be comfortable and B, make a road trip out of it and C, you know, she's never seen the Grand Canyon. So mm-hmm. being from Australia, from Australia yeah. so, so yeah, so we're making a road trip out of it. I'm super excited. I get to see my, uh, my high school drama teacher and his family. Um, oh, that's cool. Like he was like my second dad in junior high and high school. And, um, I'm really excited to see them. And, uh, Jasmine's got a friend in Oklahoma city and, uh, we're going to go to your hometown. Most likely we're going to end up in Philly at in one Philly? point. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So sweet. <clears throat> my Kings are playing the Flyers right now. I don't even know. I don't, are they? I wonder what the score is. <laughs> um, Your Kings are playing my Flyers. Yes. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah. Uh, fisticuffs. So, so yeah. So, we're making a, a bit of a, a road trip out of it. But I am leaving today. And so. you're, you're going full tilt with this. Like, you're selling your cars. You're selling a lot of furniture. You're, the- you're transferring a lease on your apartment eventually. Sold the cars to CarMax. It's just the easiest thing to do these days, even if you don't get as much as you normally would. Deserve. Deserve. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> CarMax. Uh, sponsor us. Um, <laughs> I'm such a sellout. Uh, we sold the cars at CarMax. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're leaving. We're actually just leaving the furniture. The furniture is staying in the room. So okay. if we sublet the room, it's going to be furnished. Yeah, it, it, hap- it just happened so fast. You know, these, these times <clears throat> are so cool, though. Like, like, I definitely want to acknowledge you for the willingness to take the leap and reinvent yourself. And I think times like this are so cool because you get a chance to take stock of all the, all the useless crap you've accumulated in your life that you assigned meaning to at one point, mm-hmm. but that you realize has, has no real bearing on, on anything. It's the memories and the experiences that you create. And so I think it's cool that you're not only just taking this, this leap and, uh, and, and trusting the process as it were, but also that you're, that you're kind of calling it down to the bare essentials and, yeah. you know, getting back in touch with what really matters. And it's, it's something, what a great opportunity all the way around. Yeah. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time and we wanted to do it on the, uh, in the last move, uh, which was just in, a few months ago, back in October. I know yeah. it was very, very recently, but we just, it was, you know, it's one of those things like, Oh yeah, we'll get to it. And then, you know, I, I made a joke 
I was like talking about how I've always wanted to do a big, massive purge like this. And then I was like, Oh, huh. Thanks universe. Like for giving me the opportunity. Like, by the way, you're moving 3000 miles away. Oh, so now I have to get rid of all of my shit. You and I worked with this guy named, named Sandy back at the third street promenade yeah. Apple store a long time ago. And he's I like this Sandy. wise old owl like this man. I mean, he's not old, but like, he's just such a wise guy and he's, he has kids. And so he, he's, he was such a dad at that store. And I remember having a conversation with him once about keepsake boxes. You know what you're supposed to do with that? I was like, no. And he said, well, if, you know, after a few years, if you want to get rid of it or whatever, you open the box and you read through each one and you cry and you have like your catharsis and you experience each one again or whatever. And then you burn it. I did that. Really? Yeah. Caught the attention of the security people at my <laughs> complex, but... <laughs> what are you but doing? I, Leave me alone, man. It's a catharsis. <laughs> you okay, um, dude? Yeah. It, it was interesting because I didn't really get emotional, mm. but while I was watching the fire go, it was so freeing. Mm. I felt this amazing sense of freedom. I think it's a, so it, it's the same thing that happened with everything else, like letting go of everything else. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's just like so freeing. Like I'm free of this. I'm free of that. I'm letting that all that go. You know, mm. all, all my stuff is in the back of a Dodge Caravan. <laughs> That's so cool. <coughs> so There's so much to that, man. Um, there's a great website. These two guys started kind of a minimalist movement, and their mm. website's called The Minimalists. And I mm. follow them online. I get their emails, and I read some of the, read some of their books, and they just talk about the power of it. And at first glance, you're kind of like, oh, it's another gimmick, it's another fad, whatever. But when you dig deeper and you really meditate on what minimalism is it's really profound. Like there's, there's, there's some, there's something there, you know? Um, and it, it requires a, a, a change in perspective and spirit, like no less than like a complete overhaul. Cause you've got to examine everything, all your beliefs about the world, all your beliefs about yourself, about what's important, about what's not. You've got to take a close look at that and then align your physical values with your spiritual values. I'm so fucking proud of you, man. I'm so excited for what's next. Thank you. Miss doing this, but as we've said on the podcast, we are not going anywhere. We just get to figure out how to do it remotely, which there's a ton of different ways. So on that note, we should probably, before before we get to your catch up, um, talk about our, uh, our patron of the week and our uh, most recent donation. Yeah, we got, we have a uh, patron of the week is a, is a guy that's been with us also for a while. I want to say a year or longer. Uh, and he donates to the podcast on a recurring basis. His name is James Simink. Simink. I don't, I don't know. Simink. I'm sorry, James. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I, I want to say it properly and I just didn't want to confidently say it wrong. So, uh, James, uh, is a Los Angeles based actor. He's a writer. He's a filmmaker. He works in the multi, he's a, works as a multimedia producer for the LA review of books, which I think is just fucking so cool. And, uh, he's on Twitter. He's, uh, at jamessimink.com and just check out our website for the spelling of that and, and the link and, you know, his photo and everything like that. But James, we wanted to give you a shout out and a little recognition for your support of the show. Couldn't be doing it without you. So thank you so much for being there every month for us. Uh, and on that note, piggybacking on that, we got a very, very generous one-time donation from listener Matt Bailey, uh, who wrote us a really wonderful 
email full of warm fuzzies. He said he's been listening for a while now and has been vowing to contribute to the podcast financially for a long, long time. And he feels he's finally in a place to do that. And he just wowed us with his generosity. And um, Matt, that is going to go a long way towards making this podcast work in the best possible way as we transition to a bi-coastal entity as yeah. it were. <clears throat> so, yeah. so know that your generosity is going, uh, directly back into the podcast in a very direct way. Yeah. The, the, that's what, that's the transition. That's the yeah. segue into this. That's why I wanted to mention them right now is because we get to, you know, get a couple pieces of equipment in order to make this work. And it's, um, listeners like James and Matt that are uh, supporting us in doing that. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. <clears throat> and if you are out there listening to this and you're thinking, Hey, you know, I love this podcast and I just would love to give a little back, uh, tweets, word of mouth, <coughs> voicemails, emails, Facebook posts, all that stuff is great. But what really keeps the wheels going around is, uh, is the financial contribution. So give it a thought and, uh, then give it a click. And then uh, print out your receipt or your your whatever your confirmation for a, a tax write off later on down the line. Boom, boom. Okay, um, plug over. <laughs> so uh, what's uh, what's going on with you, buddy? So with me, I mean, aside from you know one of my best friends moving oh, away, stop it. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. Uh, I know. Um, I, I, uh, I shot a short film last night, um, with the oh, right. incomparable TJ Ramini, who's yes. a, he's a very accomplished actor. Uh, long time listeners may remember our interview with TJ and Amel all the way back in like episode 49 or 50, I think mm-hmm. it was a two parter, I believe. And I actually, I think it was 49 and 50 and, um, really great guys, very energetic, very passionate, very knowledgeable, have worked extensively, uh, in uh, pretty much every medium, both from the UK and um, I've just kind of been on and off with TJ for a long time. I've been in his class kind of on and off. Um, I've been meeting with him for coffee, brainstorming various things about the industry, about about his class, about you know my career. And he's become kind of a mentor figure to me in a way. And um, he wrote this, uh, this short film. One of the things he's doing for his class is he's writing these short films from scratch. You know, we're talking like between four and seven or eight pages a piece. Mm-hmm. He's writing them for his students shooting them with a professional crew, our buddy Alex, who used to, sh- who actually shot a few of our video episodes. Allrich? Yeah. Alex is, uh, is oh, Alex awesome. and Tim are, are AJ's, or I'm sorry, TJ's crew. It's kind of go-to crew. And, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. and then he, and then he sits in on the edit. So he, he essentially is writing, directing, and producing these films for his students for a very, very, very nominal fee. I mean, it's a steal what he's, what he's doing this for. Um, and you're getting some really professional input and a really professional looking product Wow! at the end of it. So, uh, TJ, um, you know, connected me with Patrick McCarthy, who's a podcast listener for a long time and a really great guy, fantastic actor. And, um, we did this, uh, short film last night together, the, uh, the group of us. And we that even got some, so some podcast cool. listeners even came out and they were extras in the, in the scene. They were coffee shop patrons and that is so it was, cool. it was a really cool night. Now I was frustrated because I came up against my own, I don't want to say limitations, but I, I, I came face to face with where I can improve as an actor last night. You know, mm. TJ was directing me to get to a certain place and I, I, I couldn't do it. I didn't have the tool set. I didn't have the tool set to get there. I just, I didn't know how to access that. 
and be in that space. And so we ended up going a slightly different direction. And then when he was redirecting me in a different direction, I was like, oh, he's doing this because he couldn't get the other thing. And and then I just got in my head about it. So it was, it was kind of frustrating, not for lack of any excellence on anybody's part except mine. So um, it was a learning experience. I think we got some, some really good stuff, and I'm really excited to see it. And working with everybody was a blast. And I'm not um, in any way um, like cringing when I think of the work I did last night, but I definitely saw where I get to improve. And, you know, I think that's the most important thing is like you just, that, that you're always pushing the envelope or always learning and evolving and, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, coming up against that, I was like, good. That's a good sign. Yeah. That means I'm stretching, you know? So it was bittersweet in that way, but, uh, I also tend to like blow things like that out of proportion. Hmm. So I know that it's not as big as deal as to, to everybody else as it is to me, <laughs> but it was really well, as awesome. As you man. know that. Yeah. It was really cool. And the coffee shop was awesome. Now I know if you ever need a coffee shop scene, I know exactly where we can go for a really fair price. Uh, very generous staff and it was cool, man. It was, it was just great to, great to do. And I finished, uh, episode two of, yes, uh, you did. The, I saw the, that picture, the yeah. donor, uh, web series kind of thing I'm doing. I'm really excited about where that's going. Awesome. So I've been, I've been busy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Look yeah, at us. <laughs> None of this will matter when we're famous singers. That's right. <clears throat> Love that pulp culture reference. <laughs> uh, we do have a voicemail from, uh, we have two voicemails from a listener that we, I think we're going to um not play because uh they're so uh what, what word well, you the, use? they're really a, wonderful voicemails there's no there's no question in them uh which would benefit like the 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 rest of our listeners it's really just uh, his name is gerard and thank you gerard we saw your he's tweet also a long and, long time listener yes yeah. so we yes yeah, i think he said like a year and a half or something we saw your tweet we listened to your voicemails that because there's no question in it and therefore there wouldn't be any response from us it doesn't really benefit our listeners it only benefits us so if we were to play it it would just be in trevor's words jerking off on the po- <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> so we we're, yeah we've chosen not to play it but that doesn't mean that we're not eternally grateful gerard thank you so much it was such a lovely warm fuzzies voicemail and um yeah. We might just have it on on repeat for a while. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't mean we won't replay it over and over for ourselves, kind of <laughs> off off the air. Uh, you know, like I, I have to say, there are times where this podcast is challenging because it's so much work, and there are times where I've been like, you know what, I just I can't do this anymore. And then inevitably, every single time I meet somebody, like some listener on the street, like says, Hey, are you tra- like, I love your podcast or I meet somebody at the store or we get an amazing voicemail like Gerard's and I'm just like, Oh wow. That's why, that's why we do yeah. this. Yeah. You know, I mean, aside from all the ancillary benefits of meeting the people we get to meet and building the relationships, we get to build, just being able to connect with people and, and know that we're a part of that journey that, that could potentially be life changing. Um, even if it's just a small part, man, that's yeah. so Gerard, thank you from like the bottom of our hearts. That's, um, that is, that was really amazing. Thank you for your, for the t- taking the time to share that with us. Speaking of running into listeners, I wanted to give a shout out quickly to listener, Michael Bach, who was actually at yeah, the, yeah. Uh, my going away festivities last night. So that was very, very cool of him to come out. Yeah. So yeah, Michael's a great guy. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Yeah. He came to my, uh, my, my workshop, my actor workshop yeah. on, on listening. So yeah, it's really good to see him. So should we go, jump into this interview and I think it's time. Oh, yeah, man. Hey, uh, so enjoy this part one of our interview with Alexis Carra. You'll understand that reference when you listen to the interview. She's actually one part of a power couple, the other of whom has been on the podcast. So there's your clue, and you can listen to the interview and see if you can figure it out. I think he gets mentioned. Yeah, I think we talk about it pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, enjoy this, and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Trevor and I are sitting here with someone we're absolutely thrilled to have on the podcast, and you uh, may not know of her yet, but you will soon, because we, we, we got her, we're on, the, we're on the up and up, right? We're on the cutting edge. We're on the cutting edge. We got her. Cutting edge of podcast we, interviews. We got her before anybody else. Um, you're going to see her on, on Leno here pretty soon. <laughs> on Conan. Conan. On Jimmy Fallon, Mr. Fallon, um, she, she'll be on there, and Matt Damon won't be. We're very excited to have her. She's got um, a new show that's going to be airing on ABC. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up in the spring, and um, uh, so excited to have you. Thank you for being here, Miss Alexis Carra. Mm, well said. Thank you for having me. <laughs> she was like, "It's Kara," but if you could say Carra. So I did. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Hi, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I started off as a dancer, and I literally started at two and a half, and I literally didn't stop. And uh, it was, you know, it's like, I t- dance for me was like, you know, the equivalent of being an athlete. It's, t- it's a lot of hours of rehearsal practice, and um, I did a lot of summer programs and I, I studied ballet. I studied modern at Alvin Ailey for the summer. I, um, I really took it very seriously and I wanted to pursue a career as a dancer for, for a very long time, but also being very much into academics. I went to a, like a prep school. So that was academics was also really important in my life. But, um, that was my, that was my window into the world of being creative was, was through dance. And, um, I went to Yale for theater. Well, I ended, I, I went to Yale not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I used to want to be a neurosurgeon as well. So it was like, let's be a dancer. No, wait, let's be a neurosurgeon. Well, okay. Those let's are two really different things. Yeah. We hear that all the time nerves. on the podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was, totally. Yeah. But you know, as an actor, you kind of are fascinated by how, yeah, this, yeah. you know, this character, what is this, what's going on in this character's brain? So I went to I went to school and I was dancing extracurricularly. There's no uh, dance major at Yale, but there's a ton of dance and a lot of creativity at the school. And um, while I was uh, my in the summer, I was doing um, a thing called Broadway Theater Project, which at the time was run. It, it doesn't really exist the way it used to now. It was run um, and started founded by Anne Ranking. Oh wow! Yeah. And, uh, exactly. And those of you who are probably under the age of 25 listening to this may not know who Anne Ranking is, but that's your homework. Go look her up. <laughs> um, and, uh, so she, Google engines across exactly, the globe A-N-N, now. <laughs> uh, yeah, Anne Ranking. And so I 
was learning Bob Fosse's repertoire at the time. And that's another person homework, Bob Fosse, F-O-S-S-E. And <laughs> I happened to be, you know, I, I worked really hard. I, I've always been, um, uh, well, in, when, it, when it comes to dance, I was always very disciplined and I put in a lot of hours and, um, you know, I put in my 10,000 hours. So summer going into my junior year of college, I, um, was, I got pulled into a stairwell by Anne Ranking and her assistant at the time, Deb McWaters. And I was 19 and they said, how would you like to join the first national tour of Fosse? And I was like, what, uh. what? And that was it. And two weeks later I was on a plane joining the company. I, was able to take a semester off from school because I'd done AP classes, thank God, and um, you know spoke with my dean, and that was was uh, I was able to have enough credits to like accelerate a semester so that I could after one semester, if I wanted to go back, I could still graduate with my class. So that's what I did. I took off my first semester of my junior year of college, and I toured with Nat, with Fosse, which was. And I mean, I was, I guess I, I think I was 19 or 20 and I got my equity card and I was making, you know, like definitely more money than I ever had. And, um, dancing like in the, this show that I had seen, I think in 1999, I saw the show right before it won the Tony for best musical. And I was floored by it. Standing room. I had student rush tickets. And I remember thinking like, this is, this is what I have to do. And, you know, learning Fosse's work. And it really became, you know, I, 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 some athletes or actors talk about a time in their life when they did like either a certain work or with a certain coach or somebody who really turned the tide of what their artistry or what their practice is, you know, and that was what Bob Fosse was for me and doing that repertoire mm-hmm. and learning his technique and what was underneath it and the storytelling and the idea of less is more and just it's such inside out work. It really also fine tuned what it is to be an actor and a dancer for me. So I did that for six months. I went back to school to finish. Um, and that was actually a really hard transition because I really wanted to keep touring and finish out the tour. But this is where the mom came in and said, Nope, you got to finish, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad I did. So, um, I did graduate uh, with, uh, with my theater studies degree. After that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to New York and do theater. So I did end up with a theater major and I was in New York after that, when I graduated from college and I pursued musical theater where I was, you know, practicing, doing more, more dance, like ensemble work, but then also understudying and taking acting class. And, you know, I, I would do like little, little side projects here and there. I didn't do a lot of film at the time um, because I was focused mostly on theater and I would, um, I really wanted to play roles in big Broadway musicals. That was what my dream was. That was six years in New York was spent honing the skills of being um, in, in musical theater and doing eight shows a week and learning what it is to, um, I was a swing in several Broadway shows uh, in Sweet Charity uh, with Christina Applegate. I, I was a swing in Wicked. Um, I was a swing in Fosse. Uh, so I learned how really the mechanics of a whole show is put together of a huge Broadway musical. And so that was an immense learning experience because I was kind of able to see the, the, uh, how, how, how shows are put together 
and then also like still be in them as an artist. And then a lot of times I was a dance captain. So I was also watching and giving notes to people and keeping the integrity of the show. So it was like a time in my life where I had to, I got to really grow with being responsible, um, being a leader at like 25, giving notes to people. That was really tough. Um, huge learning experience and being, um, really disciplined because the Broadway show schedule, those of you who aren't in theater, it's, it's, it's different per show, but it's eight shows a week. So, I mean, I know AJ, I know you guys in theater, you know, you know that, but a lot of people don't get what that is. And usually it's like you get Mondays off, you do a show Tuesday, two Wednesday, one Thursday, one Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday. So it's an intense, it's an intense schedule. And so I really learned a lot about taking care of myself and, um, what that means in, uh, relationship to not only just my body, but like my mind, <laughs> yeah, my psyche. Yeah. And I, that's when I started doing yoga and all that kind of stuff. But after six years in New York, I was ready. The last show I did in New York was called the pirate queen. And it was the guys who created, um, you might've heard a little show called Les Mis, Miss Saigon. Yeah. Those oh guys. yeah, I know. I think I've heard of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds Alain, familiar. Alain Boubliel and, uh, Claude Michel Schoenberg. And anyway, so they did this show called the pirate queen with the producers of river dance. And it was an awesome experience. It was a year and a half of employment doing a show from start to finish, and it ended up really not being as much of a hit as we thought it was going to be. It was, um, it closed way sooner than we thought it would, and it was a huge disappointment because a lot of us kind of thought we were like in a show for, wow. we're going to be like yeah. buying homes on this show. Mm. And it was probably the biggest blessing for it to close. Mm. It was because what it ended up doing was creating, I got, I was, really felt like I could do anything and I had a savings from just being in this show for a while. And, um, I ended up coming out to LA in the fall of 2007 during the writer's strike. And I got here and I was like, okay, so I want to be in a TV show. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of, I was definitely naive. I it they forgot was, to put the sign on the door that said LA currently closed. Yeah. yeah LA currently yeah, closed. Right. And when I got to New York, because I moved to New York with my equity card, having done Fosse, I, um, I was in a, sh- I was, I was in a Broadway show within like, s- within the first year. And that was normal to me. There are actors in New York listening to this right now who hate you. <laughs> well, but I do think my window in was the dance. Yes. And mm. and I worked really hard. I'm also a singer, but at that time, dance was the thing that I was like an expert at. Mm-hmm. And mostly I got hired not because I had, I mean, So You Think You Can Dance didn't exist then and the type of virtuosity of dance had really changed. I mean, I'd studied as a technician, but I never had the crazy tricks and like legs up to here and turn out, you know, 180 degrees, New York city ballet kind of thing. It was always because I could tell a story. Mm. And so I had always mm. this stuff like going on in my face and, you know, a lot of dancers are kind of cut up, cut off from the neck up and they don't have a lot going on in their face. And I felt like that was the part that anytime as a kid, that would always be like, she's such a great actress. And they would sort of bypass the fact that I could only do, you know, two pirouettes instead of like eight. Mm. Um, and that's one of the, I, I'm also a dance teacher and that's one of the things I teach the most is that really when it comes down to it, the audience is impressed by your tricks, but they really just are looking to feel. With yeah. You. Did it move them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I got hired really, I think because I could, I could, I understood what was happening in the stories and in musical theater, the dance is directly related to the storytelling one of my mentors, Andy Blankenbuehler, who's a brilliant choreographer and now a director, um, he did 
Bring It On on Broadway, and I worked with him a lot, was is like the quintessential, uh, like Bob Fosse, putting together dance and acting. And it's really theater. It's really like dance theater to me. But anyway, so in New York, I was blessed because I had that window in. I think had I just been an actor and not had the dance and singing in my background, obviously it would have taken a lot longer because doing straight theater in New York, of course, is tied to, you know, name, some name, how, what, what your, how much audience you can bring in, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of Broadway plays now have celebrities in them. Mm. So I moved to, I moved to LA because I said very clearly, I want to move to LA and get a bunch of credits and be on TV so that I can move back to New York and be a lead on Broadway. Hmm. And that's still how I feel. Really? That's why I came out here. Because I saw that the only way to really do what I knew, what was my gift, which is to sing and dance and act. And, you know, sometimes I think I was born in the wrong era. Like, my idols are Gwen Verdon, Cheetah Rivera. Um, I'm like, people nice. don't even know who these people are, but that's who I More know. homework, more homework. I watch, you know, uh, Carol Haney. I watch, I, you know, when I was growing up, I watched Doris Day. I watched Pajama Game. These are the, these are the, the, the stars that I revered. And I realized that part of, you know, being on a Broadway show as a name, uh, headlining is you kind of have to be a celebrity. Hmm. Um, and that's a good thing. I don't think that's bad. I think it gets people, gets people in the seats like Christina Applegate. I adored working with her and she hadn't ever done a musical and that woman worked her booty off. She broke her foot. She was in every, she never missed shows. She, I mean... We were like, what is this girl? You know, she's a TV star. She's not going to have the work ethic of a, you know, Broadway hoofer. I tell you what, she really did. And and that show, Sweet Charity, stayed open because of her. You know, we would we would have lasted maybe six months, and we ended up lasting, I think it was a year and a half because of her. And, you know, she was nominated for a Tony. It was like... So I, I value those people who come from this side of the coast who haven't maybe done as much theater, who are willing to really sit in the fire of doing what eight shows a week means. Mm-hmm. And, and she's an example of what that is. So anyway, came to, came to LA writer strike and reality check. And I obviously did not know what to do. And it was like a few months of depression, I would say. Um, you know, I started to, I was living in Hermosa <laughs> beach, so I wasn't in the scene here. I really didn't know what to do. Um, and it wasn't until I met, I got into a couple of classes here that I started to just figure out, okay, this is what I need to do. And then in 2008, I decided to move officially to LA and I got rid of my place in New York and I became an LA resident in 2008. Did you have uh, representation in New York and did they, were they bi-coastal? Did you bring no, them out here with you? I had nothing. <clears throat> I had representation in New York for theater but not for the, like TV or film. So when you came to LA, it, it really was all about it was a, the vision of going back to New York. I mean, it, you, it, it started off as, as that. And it, like I say, it, it is still that in that, like, you know, I would be, if, if you sit here, if I sit here 20 years from now and I haven't gone back to New York and done a Broadway show, I probably would be bummed about it. Hmm. So, but initially I came out here to say like, okay, like I've got to, you know, get some TV credits and then I'll go back to New York. Um, but I didn't have, I had a commercial agent in, in New York and I'd done a few commercials non-union because I wasn't SAG yet. I was equity, but not SAG. And I did Across the Universe. I was like a, a dancer in that. So I had like SAG eligibility and I had done 
it was cool to have that experience on the set for that long doing doing a film like that but I didn't have a speaking role I was you know essentially an extra just a featured extra because we were in a lot of dance scenes um but I didn't have anything and I didn't have a ton of TV and film experience. I'd done a film in college, and I'd done some student stuff, but that's it. I didn't have a reel. I had nothing, literally mm. nothing. So it became about really taking, like, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. And, um, <clears throat> like, the idea that it was a reality check for me to go from having, like, a lot of results happen really quickly in New York, but fitting together that those results actually weren't, they felt quickly because as soon as I moved to New York, like I said, I got the Broadway show and da, 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 but I had been dancing since I was two. So I had been working the whole time. I just didn't feel like work because it was, I was a kid, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I had been putting in those hours and I hadn't put in those hours as an actress. It wasn't like you were in front of a camera since you were two. No, at all. I was in front of a mirror in a dance studio. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came out here and I just didn't realize how much skill I had yet to develop Mm -hmm. and how different being in front of a camera is and, and the skill set of auditioning with sides and... You know, it just was a huge reality check. And I think the first couple of years in L.A. were, I felt a little bit like I was blind, just mm-hmm. wandering into the dark. Because I, I had no, mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to <clears throat> come out here to do theater because I had done that. So the, the the benefit that I did have is that I was focused. Um, and I had had, I was doing Wicked in L.A. at the time. So I had like a job to cover my expenses, which I know is a, like a, was a huge blessing as well, because a lot of times you come out here and I always say it is important for actors to get themselves squared away first. Like if you're really not, if you're stressed about like, where am I going to live? How can I feed myself? All that kind of stuff. It's going to be hard to be developing your creative mind because there's so much anxiety. So I do think it's important to kind of figure out, okay, I am going to have this job that's going to provide me this much money per week and, you know, to kind of create budgeting and mm-hmm. figure out what that is. And without that, um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I know for me having some kind of stability and understanding where income is coming from X amount is important. Um, and I, I hate calling it a survival job because, I, I I think it's it's important to find a way to integrate. It's just a shift in how I think I think it is. Uh, integrate what it is that you're doing into how you can use it for your work as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, call them we call them thrival jobs. Yeah, on the podcast. I feel like the other option is survival. The not knowing where you're going to live, the not knowing what your where you're your right. income is going to come from. You're totally so right. If you're in survival mode. That's where you're not going to be able to. What you were saying about yeah. developing your creative mind. If you're in survival mode, that's not. Yeah. That's, that's not going to be possible. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm. We t- we do we do definitely encourage that on the mm-hmm. podcast. It's something we talk about, um, not necessarily with our guests, but you know, it's something. It's sort of a, a principle that we say, like if you're going to move to what we call the major markets uh, or the Super Bowls of acting sure. like New York, uh, LA, et cetera, that you, that you have, um, 
<clears throat> not just a plan. It's not enough to stop at a plan. It's like you have a support system. Sure. You have a job, uh, as right. you were saying. You have a way of providing for your for yourself, etc. I'm curious to know because you were saying like you came in blind. Mm-hmm. Let's assume for a moment that all of that <clears throat> that all of that stuff is handled. That you come to LA, not not you, but one comes to LA, sure. and and is not in survival mode. Okay. I'm curious about what you did. Like you came in blind. You had all this experience from New York. The writer's strike is going on. Yes, but what did you actually do? I got in class to focus on your your career. So class being one of them. Uh, you know, acting for the camera class, acting class period. Both. Like what? Just got into Both. a bunch of classes. Both. What and else? I can't <laughs> separate the two. And if I don't know how comfortable you are with how personal we can be on this. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> I mean, I I have a very supportive family and they were willing to help me a little like along the way in some areas, especially when it's related to education. But I was willing to get into debt for that. Like mm. I pretty much like you know, it was my beginnings of going, okay, if I'm going to really go for this, I'm going to go for broke. And I, you know, if I, even if I felt like, I I mean, I'm, I'm not advocating that, but I'm, the truth is that I put so much of my money into training that I was like, cause I knew that it's kind of like student loans. Like I kind of thought it was a way yeah. It was my investment. But there was a point when I when I realized like, okay, this is a no turning back point because now I've invested like when I sat down after it was in 2011-12 going into that pilot season and I looked and saw how much I had spent on training and I was like, okay. <laughs> this is the equivalent of a yeah. master's education. I cannot <clears throat> go back now. In like, and that was a, a call to action. It was like a Braveheart moment, not a, I can't go back now. It was like my war paint was on, my heart was open, and I felt like, I was like, I know this. I know yeah. I know what I'm doing. I, I don't know it all, but like, okay, you have the confidence, you know, because I think sometimes we can get into that perpetual student mode. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who have been in class who I'm like, you are a ridiculously amazing actor. Why aren't you working? What's, what's in the gap there that like, I've seen you in class for 10 years or six years since I've been here and like I you know admire these actors and they're not working and I'm like where and I don't know what for me some of that is taking that little leap actually then taking a little break a breath away from class and Mm -hmm. focusing on maybe it's now like shifting towards okay now I need to get auditions but for me initially it was class it was let me get the skill set I don't really know how to audition on camera so I did that I didn't really know what it was like to uh, cold read. I did that. I didn't understand who casting agents really were. I did casting director workshops. I signed up at, you know, different casting director workshops. I did a raffle and I ended up, my friend actually put in for a raffle for me somehow. And I ended up meeting the head of casting at CBS, totally random. Like I just, I, I just like literally was like, okay, I have to meet people. I have to learn done. And that was, two years, like just learning, hmm. soaking in. Um, I found Howard Fine acting studios and, you know, I started to see how the network of actors really, um, worked around here. And so, and so I was like, Oh, well, my friend's doing this short film. Can you do it? Uh, yeah. And I realized like, okay, I need to get a reel. And I started actors access student films. And I was like doing as many student films as I could. I was, I needed a reel. So like the first you know, year was about getting that material together. Um, and I, I just, 
you know, I was also a part of this. I, I mentioned to you another, a dear friend of mine. I'm going to say her name. Everyone look up Brianna Brown. She has this women's group that she started a few years ago that I've been a part of for a while now called the New Hollywood Group. And I met a group of women almost when I first came out here, about a year and a half after I came out here. And the whole group is in, dedicated to supporting and empowering each other. I love so there's that. no competition. So I came into this group with already people going, how can we help? Wow. Not like, mm. who's this girl? She's another blonde. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. so I got a commercial, I was, I got help with a commercial agent. You know, it was like, we'll open the door for you. Let me, I'll, yeah. Like you were on Broadway, obviously, you know, you, you have your, your stuff together. Um, and I had a few people say, yeah, I'm willing to talk to my agents and see if they're willing to meet you. Send me your headshot. I got new headshots, all that kind of stuff. So I set myself my toolkit up with got to get the reel together. Got to get the headshots. Let me get on actors access. Let me, um, start researching um, actors that I admire, seeing what their career path was. Oh, okay, guest star. How do I get a guest star? Okay, who's this casting agent? And I would make a list of target casting directors. I found out who Dallas Travers is, and Mm -hmm. I started to understand, like, I mean, that took, like, three years, really, to figure out how it works. Um, I did a ton of casting director workshops. Um, I, you know, I just soaked it up. And I got a commercial agent, then I got a manager, and then I, that, that's pretty much all I had for a while. I didn't have theatrical agents for a while, and I didn't really book my first official TV thing until 2009, hmm. so until like summer of 2009. So what I, was that? What was your first official? I did a, a pretty big co-star on um, Hawthorne with Jada Pinkett Oh, sweet. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was bummed it wasn't a guest star, because it was like three scenes with her, but it was a co-star. Hmm. And... Um, uh, and so I did that and, uh, yeah, that was like the first gig I got, awesome. I think. And I'd done a few commercials, mm-hmm. uh, non-union commercials, but then I joined SAG after that, I think. Um, yeah, somewhere around that time, but it was a good two years <clears throat> before I joined, even joined SAG out here. Um, because I, I was, was booking non-union commercials for a while and that was, you know, like making decent money. So I didn't want to join before I was, uh, okay, now you have to join. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided yeah. to join. I'm having a, a bit of an aha moment Tell me. right now based on something that you and I tend to talk about often on the podcast, which is like people, we get a lot of questions to the podcast. People call in or write in and they're like, do they say things like, do I have to have an X before I can do X. Mm. In other words, do I have to have a reel before I can come to LA? Do I need headshots before I can start looking for an agent? Do I need an agent before I can go to a casting director workshop? Do mm. I need to, you know, they, they, there's always sort of this, like, um, you have to have something before you can do something. And <clears throat> what we always tell people is like the paths are so, you know, insane and varied and people get to where they are in so many different ways. We say, no, like don't ever hold yourself back from doing one thing because you don't have another thing. That being said, I'm listening to all the work that you put in the classes you went to, the fact that you said like you got your toolkit together, your Mm -hmm. reel, your headshots, et cetera. And I'm thinking that there's a caveat to that. And it's not like we haven't said this, but it's just dawning on me in a different way. There's a caveat to what we've been saying on the on the podcast, which is, no, it's not necessary, but why aren't you doing it? Like, it's not, it's not necessary to have a reel before, you know, it's not necessarily to have a headshot 
before coming to Los Angeles. It's mm-hmm. not necessary to have a reel before having a thing. It's not necessary to have a you know representation before this. But why aren't you pursuing all everything? <clears throat> In other words, why aren't you you know uh, um, working really hard to get your headshots, uh, uh, working really hard to get a reel put together, working really hard to get into classes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? your package. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that you're pursuing you're pursuing the the, the jobs you're 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 pursuing the representation you're pursuing the auditions, mm-hmm. but which we t- t- uh, like to call meetings on the podcast by the way, mm-hmm. Alexis. Um, but you're not you're not you're you're sort of doing it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not, you're you, not don't, wait, you don't you don't wait. Yeah, there's have, no you're not order. Waiting. There's no order in which it needs to happen. It's yeah. not linear. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not, not like it, I go exactly. to residency. I go to medical school. I go to residency. I get my. You know, it's right. not oh like. Oh my that. god! Yes. But that exactly. said, but that said, if you are going to interview with an agent, it would definitely behoove you to have real footage of some kind. That, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, I I I value that you, especially in the podcast, like encouraging taking action. But at the same time, the realistically, the actors I know who are working. All have that stuff. They have a reel. They have a headshot. They have. They don't all have representation, but they have a reel and a headshot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think you need to move to LA with those things. But if you move to LA with, like, you know, if you're coming from some other place and you can do do homework before you come and you know get some headshots taken, you know, show exactly what you're looking for and get some headshots taken for a third of the price where your hometown is and then come, yeah. Yeah. you're in an advantage because <laughs> yeah. it's going to be two times the amount here. Right. I, I guess my point is yes and also don't let it stop you. Exactly. From doing um, anything, whether it's totally. moving to LA or pursuing, you know, look, if you have an opportunity to meet with, you know, a mid-level agency or an agency that develops you know, um, developmental clients mm-hmm. or what have you, and you don't have your stuff together and it's not a big risk, you know, cause I wouldn't go into like CAA, CAA or Buckwald and be like, I don't have a reel or something. Cause you yeah. know, first impressions are, are huge. Sure. <clears throat> but if you have an opportunity and, and, um, taking meetings is not something that as an actor you're used to, mm-hmm. I would, I, I, I would, my advice would be to do it. I think, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to get the experience of the actual meeting and you know, you, 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 you can learn, you know, if they like, look, if you don't know anything and you go in there and they're like, so do you have a real, Oh no, I don't. But you know, let me take a mental note or an actual note. Mm -hmm. That's something I I get to have. Right. Yeah. I just wouldn't want any of those things to stop someone. And also you should be, you know, working to have as many tools in your toolbox as possible. Right. But I think that at the very least having, some kind of a headshot would be, even if it's like your yeah. friend takes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even if your friend has a great camera, his dad has a great camera and you guys mess around with it, that's an afternoon worth spent well because you're actually learning, Oh, this, I look better doing, or I like prefer this angle and this yeah. shirt, this color looks great on me. And like, it's not professionally done, but it's your friend who's investing time in you Get a pick. Like that's the thing. Like there's a way to do it. Sure. So maybe you didn't spend 800 bucks on like fancy schmancy headshotla.com, but your friend did it for you, and mm-hmm. at least you have a picture. And you can go to CVS and get it printed. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean yeah. Th- that that to me shows initiative. And then you can walk into a meeting saying, 
Um, this is what I have right now. I am saving up to get a headshot. Give me your input. And then you're taking, you're already like in a, in that moment owning up to this is where I'm at. And I've taken this initiative and then, you know, I'd love your input. I wanted to get your input before I actually invested in mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z photographer. Yeah. I you love know what that. I mean? I love that. And that's, that's taking the position of you, of I am this business owner yeah. and I'm looking to be in partnership with you. Not totally. tell me how I'm going to run my career because essentially you're paying the agent to be a salesperson for you. Yeah. Essentially. So mm-hmm. to, to say like, what's your input on this? I think that creates a, a good relationship from yeah. the get go. And it shows like one of the things my representation has said to me over the years is that I, th- they, they complained to me. It's so funny. I've had representation complain to me about how they're like, I wish every actor worked as hard as you. And I'm like, what are, what are people doing? <laughs> like, I don't feel, I mean, I know I work hard, but I'm not like, I've got a great life. You know, I don't, working hard is like working on a few auditions, preparing for my scene. Like, you know, I, my, my thrival job was teaching dance. Like I got to teach dance classes. I, you know, I did, uh, you know, other types of, but I, I feel like if it doesn't excite you to prepare and to get the toolkit together, then take a beat and get back to the heart of why you want to do it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying that I didn't have those moments because there were plenty of those moments where I was feeling, why am I doing this? This is this is hard. It's not easy. It's a marathon, and mile. I can't imagine. I've never run a marathon. I've run a half marathon, but mile eleven was not pretty. <laughs> it was not pretty, and I walked for a bit of it. Like, and so there will be times where you're walking, and like the reel isn't working out, and I didn't have the money to finish the reel. Okay, well is what I do have. And, you know, then it's like, okay, can my friend finish the reel for me? And in the meantime, because I can't pay my editor. Okay. You know, like this is the reality of prioritizing what works, but I do think that taking meetings, um, and what I learned is as if I can come in with as much prepared as I can, the advantage is that they see that I am doing my work on my end. Mm-hmm. So it's a question of not letting it stop anyone from taking initiative, like going, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to move to LA because I don't have the real, I don't like, I, I agree with that. But knowing that those things are a sign of being professional and also a sign of being active. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Proactive yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, what, what I'm <clears throat> willing to do on my end and not just like waiting for my reps to do the work for me. Right. Right. So. This is a really this is a really good segue to what I think I know that both you and I, AJ, are really curious about, which is Caduce had this story that you basically were oh like, God, All right, yeah. you know what? Oh. I'm done dicking around. Like mm-hmm. I want a series regular on a show and I'm not going to stop until mm-hmm. I get there and nothing in my life that is not related to that <sighs> yeah. is gonna be part like you you had like this intense the way he tells it, this intense focus and rigor, and you were like, anything that's not related to this goal doesn't happen for the next three months. I did, yeah. yeah. And, you, and it refused meetings. And it over. happened. So, oh, I like yeah. told my friends, I sent an email to all my, you know, in my new Hollywood group, those are like my closest friends, they knew what, what I was up to, and they were all, you know, a lot of us are actors, so we were like in it together. You know, like Brianna was over here at 11 o'clock at night, we were doing lines. Like we were... You know, it's like at MITT, the feedback was, okay, well, I don't believe that moment. Let's do it again. Like we just mm-hmm. were, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm a bad actress. It was just like, you want to, you have a series regular audition tomorrow. 
that's not good enough. <laughs> she didn't say it like that, but <laughs> right, right, we right. were doing that for each other. Yeah. You know, like I was surrounded by people who were also in that yeah. space. You surrounded so, yourself with people who were helping you with that, supporting you with that focus. Totally. And like, <clears throat> you know, and I enrolled my friends to do that for me. And so I had one of my other dear friends, like, you know, if I had an audition, I was like, Hey, I've got this audition. And inevitably, I mean that having that support system is so, and you know, it comes down to, um, it's I'm kind of stepping away from your question, but I think I was able to do that because of the support system that I had. That's that I huge. Have. That's absolutely and, huge. Yeah. And knowing, and, and that's just being like a, a, a gracious person and, and, you know, creating, it's the other part of this whole industry, which is like, don't, don't be an asshole. Pardon my French. Like you don't, you don't, I mean, it's yeah. a huge limiting belief that you have to be a diva or a jerk to make it in this industry. It is not true. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be that. And so, yes, the answer is in about last, uh, in about October of the year before last of 2011, I just was like, this is, I'm, I was, had intense focus. What was and the trigger for that? Were I booked like- my first lead in a film and I shot an independent film and I was on set for four weeks straight shooting this film that's going to be coming out and also I think in February. I was like, oh, this is, if it was just awesome. I, I had such a great experience. It was challenging. I was like, <laughs> it was all sorts of like this, but I, I, it was, it was like, it felt the way I felt when I did Fosse where I was like, ah, oh, this is it. This is, mm-hmm. what, this is exactly mm-hmm. what I've been working towards. And then I came back and I just knew pilot season was coming and I, I, I had, made up my mind just made up my mind about it there was no like it didn't there was no other option i didn't have any doubt but then i also was like i have no control over it so whatever happens happens but in terms of how i felt about it it was like this is all i'm this is this is happening for this me is all i'm gonna focus on this is all my this is the only thing that my time gets devoted to for the next that and and like my well-being like you know right right like yeah eating healthy Not and like, psycho about it, but yeah. yeah. And I, and I set myself up to win with, I tapered down a little bit on my thrival job. I was able to do that. Um, and I, I did that intentionally. And that was something that I had, had been a little bit of a, of a balance for me. And I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners are like, well, but I have these responsibilities now with this other job and I do love this other job. And I really went through a period of, of that where it was a good, almost two years where I was Get, I was in demand as a dance teacher and a choreographer and making a great living like that. And it was detracting and distracting me from my focus as an actor. And I realized it took me uh, a minute. It took me booking that film and going, oh, I see what kind of intense focus, mm-hmm. what the result is. Mm-hmm. So I was willing to say no to certain jobs and kind of live a little bit less comfortably financially for the pilot pilot season because I knew what the end goal was. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, but I set myself up to win. I knew I had enough to like cover my rent and like, I wasn't going to, you know, and, and, um, that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, so that part of my well being was taken care of, but I didn't, you know, it's the difference between like, I don't know if you ever have any segments on teaching actors how to budget, but that was something I didn't know how to do until later in my life. And I think it's really important because it was for me like, do I go to Whole Foods and get a juicer for every day this week, even though that makes me feel really good? Or do I spend the money on coaching for this series regular job? I spend the money on coaching and I go without the juice. 
And that's not an either or for me. It was a priority. It was a choice that I made knowing that this is what I have to work with. This is what my priority is. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I just was like, everything was very, the mission was so clear that these other things were not as important for me. And I didn't feel anxiety around any of it because I was so focused. Yeah. When you had, when you had the trigger happen in, uh, October ish, 2011 mm-hmm. or 2012, you, but yeah, did you have theatrical representation? I did by then. Okay. I did. And so my, what I'm curious about is what was the conversation like there? Did you tell them you're like, I'm on a mission? Oh yeah. Okay. I signed so with them in September. The- I booked the <clears throat> film. I, I left to shoot the film. I came back and I was like, you guys, it's game on <laughs> because I also, I also knew that I wasn't willing to. It's like, it's the, my mom said this, and I'm sure you can probably think of it of of a better or a different kind of phrase, but my mom always said, go for broke. Like, and, and I, I kind of like that phrase because I get what she means by it, but it also is a little bit like in a scarcity conversation, but the point (laughs) being like, just go all in. And I realized that I wasn't all in still. And it was also a shift in some personal things that happened in my life in relationship to what, how integrity works for me. And I didn't, I, 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 and so this is getting personal, but I had gone through a few breakups and I realized that there was some stuff going on in my life where I lacked integrity and in, and I, it's not just like, oh, I lied about this. It's not integrity in terms of tell the truth. It was integrity in terms of fullness because the other definition of integrity is nothing lacking. That's one of the definitions. So I realized I was on a bicycle with, that was working and I, I could buy, I could, I could ride my bike, but the spokes were missing. So I was not going to be as efficient. So I was like, I've got to, I, I want to be riding a bicycle. I want to be riding Lance Armstrong's bicycle. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I realized that integrity also relates to bringing wholeness to something. And I was not bringing my whole self to my craft as an actor because I wasn't, I was focused on other things or worried about other things. So I just, it was enough of a shift internally to go, my, my, my whole body was, and, and mind and thought was then shifted towards being, towards acting. And it was, it felt right. It, it mm-hmm. was even, it just, does that make sense? So yeah. it was nothing. Yeah. It was a wholeness. It was a, so the lack of integrity was not because I was lying or, or whatever, you know, the common uh, association with integrity. It was understanding that it means bringing my whole self to something. Yeah. And that's the go for broke mentality. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to, I'm all in, I'm putting mm-hmm. everything in Yeah. or else, because then at least then I felt okay. If I didn't book the series and I didn't book the pilot, then I would be like, yeah, but I gave it everything. And then I knew I could, I was, I was willing to risk not being an actor anymore. That's also, I was like, you know what? I have worked this hard and I wasn't happy with the results I was getting. And so I knew that if I gave all in and that I could then have a reach a point where I was willing to renegotiate again, but I had at least a goal that I was like, okay, I'm going to get to this point. And if I'm not happy by this point, then I know I've given it my all. I haven't half-assed anything. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. at that point, then I knew I'd, I could make another decision about, do I keep going or am I ready to, for a career transition? And I will shift my focus on being a dancer and a choreographer again, which I was also happy to do. Do you know what wow. I mean? Yeah. I love that. You essentially just put it to the test. Totally. You were like, here we go. This is the experiment yeah. to figure out if, if this is going to happen or not. Yeah. And then I wasn't like failing. It didn't matter. 
Yeah. It didn't matter because I knew I was giving it everything. Yeah. And that's its own reward. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It it really did. The outcome really didn't matter. So I remember waiting to hear about the pilot and of course I wanted it, but I was, I remember taking a shower and crying the day before I found out the, or the morning I was, I found out that I booked the pilot on a Monday and I met, I reconnected with Caduce, who's now my boyfriend, literally the night before we ran into each other at a restaurant. So I was like, had all this emotion going on. I was prepping for another audition, waiting to hear about mixology. And I was in the shower and I was so drained and exhausted, but I was just crying out of like, it doesn't like I had, I felt so free. I was like, this is not whatever happens. I know that I have been 100% integrous in how I've approached this. And mm-hmm. like there's, I've held nothing back. I've set myself up to win every single time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like whatever happened, it didn't, it was like, okay, whatever's in my high is good. That's, that's always when we book them too. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back. Hope you dug part one of our chat with Alexis Carra. Um, beautiful woman, such a sweetheart and clearly very powerful. Like, you know, she's she's not going to settle for second best in anything yeah. in her life. Well, and I love how aware she is um, yeah. of herself, of how she fits in, of her, you know, being a, being female in this industry. You know, she's part of a, that uh, women's empowerment group like it's it reminds me of something that james dumont said where he was like it's just about getting better and she's very focused on okay so i was a dancer and now you know i'm trying trying doing acting like being an actor so now it's like okay how do i get better at that and part two only gets better so make Mm -hmm. sure you guys stick around for the next episode it's going to be awesome the voicemail that we referred to way at the beginning of this episode the the woman who called in and got cut off she actually called us back (laughs) and and now we got the full voicemail so we thought why not uh why not play it hey guys this is fatu so calling back in from gaithersburg maryland just had a quick question for you guys so i just want to give you an insight if you've ever had you know, an experience where you felt like an overwhelming pull of everything around you, so everyday life, whether it is, you know, a day job, family, and things like that, and I have, you know, too much of a pull on your preset goals in acting or other preset goals. Yeah, that's it. And how would you advise on shifting your direction back to your preset ambitions and to yourself? Hmm. That's my question. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Okay. It sounded like Fatu. Is that the, is that the name? Yeah. Fatu? Yeah. F-A-T-O-U. Okay, cool. Thank you for calling, Fatu. Yeah. Uh, essentially, it's how do you keep your focus on your artistic ambitions when you've got all these other things like thrival jobs and family and things like that? And I, I think we should definitely say that we're you and I are coming from the... The, the two younger dudes without kids kind of perspective here. So, sure. so take that into account when you, <laughs> with all this, we have a lot more time than I think <coughs> most parents do. What has worked really well for me the past few months is literally committing to a certain amount of time focused completely on some aspect of my career or my art or whatever it is. And right now it's committing to 15 minutes at a minimum of writing. And I'm putting that towards, you know, 
various projects that I've, that I'm writing. But I find that when I just put those 15 minutes in, it usually takes 15 minutes to kind of warm up into it. And then I don't want to stop. Mm. And that 15 minutes usually turns into, you know, 45 minutes to sometimes like six hours. Like I was up till two thirty AM the other night just cause time just disappears when I, when I'm in that space. And what I've done is I've made a little calendar with check boxes every week and I will check off each time that I've sat down for my 15 minutes. And then just to the right of those boxes, I've got a little marker thing where I can mark whether it was just the 15 minutes or whether it was more than 15 oh, minutes. cool. Just to track and see, see yeah. how it goes. And I find that even when I get distracted with all the million things I've got going on, if I can get that time in, I feel not, you know, totally balanced because I think ideally I wouldn't have all these other thrival jobs and things going on, but I feel far more balanced. And that keeps me kind of focused on... On what I'm doing. Uh, I nice. mean, that's just one aspect to the to the 10 other answers I have for this, but what, yeah. what's your response? I think the first thing and the most important thing is to figure out what it is that you want. And if it really is a career as an actor and everything that goes along with that. I just had a great conversation with one of my best friends, uh, Tavis, who I went, yeah. to col- I went to college with and who has also been a, um, a listener and a, and a, and a patron of the of the podcast i already knew he was making this choice um but he's no longer acting i already knew that he had made that choice but we had a longer conversation about it yesterday and it was really interesting it was after his son was born he would like just realized his son and being a dad was way more important to him than anything else in his life and so he's going back to school he's gonna get his teaching degree he's gonna Mm -hmm. get his master's he wants to be a like an elementary school teacher he said you know for a long time I felt wrong. He's like, when I, I felt like I was doing something wrong or I felt bad about making this decision. And then I thought, that's so stupid. It's my life. I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> and it's, it's totally true. It is your life. And you get to choose what it is that you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. And if you say anything to the contrary, even like, you know, oh, I, I can't, uh, act because, you know, of this job, or I can't do this because of whatever, like that means that you're being a victim to whatever that thing is, that consideration, that circumstance. So you're essentially giving your power away to these other things. Now that's not necessarily good, bad, right, or wrong. It's perfect for your life. And it's just feedback. But the thing is, is the first thing you have to do is decide if that's what you want. If you want to be an actor, Mm -hmm. If that is what you want, what you envision, what you like crave, what you can if you cannot do anything else with your life, if this is what you want to do, awesome. Now it's about getting committed. And getting committed means doing whatever it takes to make it happen. So if you're waffling, and I'm not just talking to Fatu, and I'm not, this is not about beating her up either, but if you're waffling, either there's no commitment or it might not be what you want. Hmm. And that needs to be okay because it is okay. It's perfect. If you want, you know, Ben and I have talked about this and I I think you and I have talked about this and I think we've even mentioned it on the podcast, but if you want to act all the time, if you're passionate about acting and you want to like be on stage all the time or be working all the time, don't be an actor in like Los Angeles or New York. Go someplace where you can like find a community or and or a community theater and do regional theater or whatever. And you will act all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you'll be on stage all the time. It'll be awesome. And you'll be acting and maybe you'll be getting paid and maybe you won't be. And maybe you'll work a, a you know a nine to five during the day and rehearse at night or something. But you'll be acting. 
and it will be fulfilling that part of you. And you probably, you might even be happier than if you were not acting more often than acting Mm. in like LA where, you know, over the past two years, I've booked one feature film per year. Uh, people like Brad Pitt and A-list actors, they, they, they spend far less time acting than acting. Yeah. It's, that's, that's my, that's my advice to Fatu or anyone else Mm. who's thinking of this. It's like, just, what do you want? Figure Mm. that out first. And then, you know, the rest, if the commitment's there, the how doesn't matter. You know what I love about your response just now is it removes the whole conversation about fame or notoriety from all of it. Oh yeah. Because that is, I think that's like actually like a dysfunction is like the craving of fame and notoriety. I think it's like a character flaw Hmm. Um, because it's all transient. You know, Tony Horton said it in our interview with him. He said, it's all smoke and mirrors. Hmm. Don't you get that notoriety? It's like, it's not fulfilling at all. Yeah. (laughs) You'd think it would be, Yeah, but it's not, it's actually stressful. That book life's life's operating manual that I've talked about on the podcast a few times before, um, says it really well. There's a point and I'm going to butcher this probably, but he talks about the idea of being like a Fox. And I think he's quoting another writer at this point, but Mm -hmm. he says, you know, like really the goal is to be like the Fox, uh, in the meadow or something along those lines. And of course, then the, the argument comes up because there's a lot of like fear and truth conversations. Like literally he writes a dialogue between fear and truth in the book. It's so cool. And, and he's telling fear, truth is telling fear to be like the Fox and fear is like, why would I want to be like the Fox? Like the Fox doesn't, the Fox just lives and dies and doesn't leave a mark in the world. And he says, because he said, you want to live like the Fox because the Fox is content to be what it is. It doesn't live with ambitions to be more than it is because it's impossible. It can be fully, completely presently what it is and be good with that. It's powerful. If you really yeah. s- sit on that for a few minutes, it's like, wow, that's what life is. And here's and and here's how it specifically applies to acting too. All those conversations we've ever had about walking into a room, walking into an audition, and being like, "This is who I am. Do you want to buy this product or not?" Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's, it's not about, enough. Yeah. Yes, that be and that that's enough, and that you are enough. Just yeah. who you be is enough. It doesn't mean you don't strive to be better at that. Like James Dumont talks about, you know, getting better at your craft, but you are who you are. And if you're, con- if you are content like the Fox with that, yeah. then you can walk in with so much more confidence and so much more authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm thinking now Uta Hagen has a saying that only cows are content, you know? So it's like, all these language choices. I'm like, how do we phrase this correctly? (laughs) You know, and you do want to have ambition. I think it's important to have ambition, but the message is to own what you are and, and know that we live and we die being what we are is enough. Yeah. And it always will be. And we're just destined for eternal unhappiness. If we're constantly trying to be cheetah and we're a Fox, Mm. I'm not saying you can't have ambition to be the best freaking Fox in the world. But, you know, I'm totally getting into semantics here, so I'm going to stop. But hopefully people get the gist of, of reminds me what of, this is. It reminds me of that cartoon where there's like a rhinoceros running on a treadmill. There's a poster on a wall next to him or like a mirror because that's how he sees himself. I can't remember. So there's something on the wall next to him. It's like a really slim unicorn. 
<laughs> right, I've seen that one. Yeah, it's just like he's just working really hard. <laughs> Speaking of, what is your pick of the week this week, man? Since I am going to New York, I thought you know my pick of the week should be New York inspired. I've been getting a lot of friends sort of reaching out and saying like, here's some resources, and this is a way of um, supporting people and finding representation and stuff in New York. It's called the Henderson Guide. They have um, similar things to this here in Los Angeles, but. Um, they're sort of going away here in LA uh, because so much is going to the internet. Oh, like, yeah. But you can buy them at like Sam French. They're like yeah. these guides where, you know, you can find uh, a list. Uh, it's like a listing for agents, managers, and casting directors. They come out like every quarter or something. Yeah. Come out once a quarter, but they're going away. <clears throat> the ones yeah. that you're referring to aren't around as much anymore. And it's because so much is going online. So you can get, you know, uh, addresses and stuff from like IMDb yeah. Pro casting or like about. Casting About yeah. or you know, all these different resources. So anyway, uh, they, they're still around in New York apparently. And, uh, that's it. It's called the Henderson guide. Um, we'll post a link on our website of the, uh, cause Henderson enterprises actually has several different products. And like I said, there's a, there's a different guide for every, there's a different guide for, um, casting directors, agents, and managers. So mm. if anyone's uh, in New York or thinking about going to New York, uh, it could be uh, it could be a good a good resource. Cool, man. My, my pick of the week is a great freaking movie called Captain Phillips. If you guys haven't seen this, I was really blown away by it. I got my, my SAG after screeners for the SAG Awards, you know, a month ago, like I'm sure many of our listeners did. And, you know, I, I was intrigued by the idea of Captain Phillips, and I love Paul Greengrass, the director. He's directed the Bourne movies, or a few of the Bourne movies at least, and a couple other awesome things. I wasn't expecting to be as blown away by it as I was. It was just pitch perfect, perfectly paced, suspenseful action storytelling. Tom Hanks is a god amongst men. Uh, the actors were fantastic. And in fact, the actor who plays one of the pirates, he has zero acting experience. I read this afterwards in an article. Zero acting experience. He's from Somalia, and there's this group of Somalian actors in LA that the casting directors for Captain Phillips tapped to find these these pirates. And I, I think they probably used pretty much everybody in the group because there's a couple scenes where there's a lot of these guys. But the one dude was a valet in LA. No acting classes, no auditions, no representation, no ambition to be an actor. Just was a valet. And somehow, I don't know the story, but I can't wait to learn about it. Somehow, they were like hey, you should come read for this thing. And he did. And then there he is opposite Tom Hanks. What? And now nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And if you look at his IMDb, that's his only credit. Captain Phillips. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, seriously? We got to get, get him on a podcast. <laughs> yes. He has got to be a guest. Yeah. Anyway, great, great flick. If you guys can see it in the theater, uh, I recommend it. I think it's a movie that would be awesome on the big screen. I was so pleasantly surprised by that by that movie. Wow. And uh I think Tom Hanks got slighted a little bit not being nominated for Best Actor. I'm not going to lie. I think he, it was his best work of his career. Wow. Yeah. We still haven't talked about the Oscar noms. We had the first mention. Remember, like, two yeah. episodes ago, we were like, oh, we got to talk about that. We got, like, a month, though, still, right? Ish. So send on your uh, send in your uh, listener picks of the week if you'd like, if you got something you think would be really valuable for the community. Also, feel free to post whatever you find that you love over on our Facebook group. That does it, then, for... Our last in the flesh episode for, for hopefully a long time for you. I don't feel like it's a goodbye. It, it's certainly not a goodbye to our listeners. We're gonna do whatever it takes to make sure that we, you know, release this thing uh, every week. Still, I love you, and we've had our our own catharsis moment mm-hmm. uh, at our masterminds meeting the other night. So I feel great about it. I don't. I don't feel sad. I don't feel like I'm. I'm 
going to be missing anything here. Like, I, I love one of the things I'm most excited about is, is being able to still catch up with you once mm-hmm. a week and know, yeah. know what's going on in your life. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Listeners know how to get in touch with the podcast. You know how to support the podcast. We won't go through that again right now, but um, I want to give a fond farewell to AJ. Again, I'm so proud of you, man. Uh, love you like a brother, and I can't wait to see what unfolds for you in the next few months to who knows how long yeah uh really excited for you man thanks buddy cool thanks all right for jen levin our production coordinator and cesar camino our technical producer i'm trevor algott i'm aj meyer we'll see you next week this episode of inside acting has been brought to you in part by vo2gogo.com the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit vo2gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's vo2gogo.com slash start.